Power Records presents... Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Power Records Podcast, where the action comes alive. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me, as always, is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, it's exciting. We're kicking off 2022 with a new episode of the Power Records Podcast, talking about a relatively unknown character, the Amazing Spider-Man. Whatever happened to that character? I mean, he used to be popular like years ago, but nobody's talking about him anymore. It's really crazy. <laughs> it's such a shame. But by the way, in just the uh, the length it took for us to do that lame joke, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home made another $4 billion. So, <laughs> That's right. This <laughs> is unbelievable. But yeah, we're here to talk about um, some Spider-Man power record. Well, they're not really power record adventures. We'll kind of get into that uh, in a moment. But first... We have to thank our sponsor, and that is InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Chris, what do you got? I have Marvel Action Spider-Man Trade Paperback Book 2 Spider Chase uh, in this uh, comic, this collection by Eric Burnham, who is a friend of mine and a former shooting star uh, comics uh, anthology creator. Uh, so he's an old buddy of mine. Uh, Eric and Christopher Jones-Wells uh, tell the story of Spider-Man in his first encounter with Craven. And in this series, it's an all-ages series, which will make sense here in a minute. And hmm. uh, it also has Miles Morales and uh, Spider-Gwen in it. So it's all kinds of good into the spider-verse type vibes about it and uh it's an 80 page book it was originally 9.99 and uh now it's uh you save 30 percent on in stock trades and it's 6.99 so uh you know eric's a great guy and uh i just uh, want to push he writes a lot of good stuff for idw this is actually idw publishes this this book which is weird but they publish a lot of marvel uh all ages stuff uh so yeah <laughs> Eric writes a lot of stuff for IDW, so he's writing Spider-Man, so that's great. <laughs> that's just amazing that another publisher is publishing Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just a weird world we live in. Speaking of IDW, I have another Spider-Man book also published by IDW. Oh. Uh, yeah, just last week uh, when we were covering No Way Home, I promoted from Insect Trades the Spider-Man Newspaper Strip Volume 2. Well, this time I'm doing the Amazing Spider-Man Newspaper Comics Hardcover Volume 5. This covers the, the ships from 1985 to 1986. It is both uh, in color and in black and white. This apparently features a storyline where Spider-Man uh, deals with a, uh, a, a ring of, of child abusers. Uh, I had no idea. I mean, I don't think I was reading the strip at this point. I'm not even sure my newspaper is even still carrying it by this point. Um, but, but yeah, apparently Spider-Man and the, the newspaper strip got kind of heavy in the mid-1980s. Uh, it's written by Stan Lee. The artist is Dan Barry. I didn't know that Dan Barry ever drew the Spider-Man strip. I always thought it was like always Larry Lieber or John Romita the whole time. It's kind of amazing. Uh, it's 238 pages. The normal price is $49.99. In stock trades price is $34.99. You save 30%. So, of course, if you picked up this book and the volume two, which I plugged last week, that would get you over $50 and you would get free shipping. So, uh, for these and other deals, you can find it on InStuckTrades.com. And we thank them very much for their support. All right, Chris. Uh, so, we're talking about a record that we have not yet covered to this point and that is the amazing spider-man electric company record uh did you have this as a kid 
No, I did not have this as a kid. If I had seen this one, I would have definitely bought it because I loved the electric company. I loved to watch it. I loved when Spider-Man showed up, but I just liked the show in general. And I mean, as much as I love Sesame Street, I think even at a young age, I gravitated toward the electric company, even though it was geared toward older kids because Spider-Man was on it. So, <laughs> The strangest thing is I have no memory of having this as a kid. But when I listen to the stories, I am instantly remembered like they, they're all familiar. The beats of them, the, the vocal inflection. So I must have had it as a kid because where else would I have heard it? Like there's right. lines where Aunt, Aunt May is talking and I'm like, God, I, I remember him. I remember her sounding like that to Peter. And of course, Morgan Freeman, uh, <laughs> easy reader himself, is not only the narrator, but he plays parts. Uh, throughout the story so uh he is all over this record there's seven stories we're only going to cover two of them for now but man he like he has more of a connection to spider-man than i even would have remembered from him just being on the electric cover yeah it's like you know this this power record narrated by god uh you know (laughs) (laughs) but but uh yeah you know i remember when that movie street smart came out with christopher reeve Mm -hmm. and there was Morgan Freeman. That was the first thing I ever saw him in that wasn't the electric company. I'm like, Oh, it's easy reader and Dracula (laughs) from the electric company. When I was a kid, that's cool. You know? And, and then of course he kind of blew up after that, you know? Uh, But uh, yeah, it's, I loved, you know, just the, the whole show. The only thing about the Spider-Man segments on um, the electric company, of course he never spoke. It was all word balloons and he was never Peter Parker. Uh, and, and but later I learned why because Danny Seagreen that played him had a big droopy mustache and he was a blonde guy so <laughs> he was like droopy mustache Ben Riley I guess not Peter Parker I guess but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know he, it's it, it, yeah he was he's like the original live action Spider Man so where was he at into the Spider Verse right or not or, or not into the Spider Verse but uh, No Way Home where was he yeah. in No Way Home you but, know I was gonna make the joke that you know couldn't couldn't they have found room for him. But, of course, complaining that there weren't enough Easter eggs in No Way Home is really being kind of ridiculous. So, you know, we'll just have to, uh, have to let it go. Now, where did you – did you have you read interviews with him? Like, I am not familiar with this guy at all. Yeah, I, there was an interview I, – I, I think there was one in uh, – was it one in Back Issue magazine or maybe – That's probably – Retro right. Fan. Retro it was fan, one, yeah. something our, our friend Michael Yuri edits. I'm pretty sure it was in one of those uh that uh you know they they actually you know had an interview with him and there was a picture of him in the costume with the mask pulled down uh and he had like you know he had very 70s hair like you know parted in the middle but long and then a big droopy he looked he looked like a member of the doobie brothers you know dressed as <laughs> spider-man so he looked he kind of looked like so uh but it, it you know he he was he was a great spider-man you know and and uh i i bought the spidey super stories comic oh me too uh, that marvel at a young age i couldn't tell any difference i couldn't read either either one of those when i first started getting them uh so by the time i got to read was able to read and you know they canceled it like in first grade so i didn't get to buy them and and read new ones very long but i you know i bought them because they always had like interesting team-ups and and it's it's kind of crazy because now um you know famously the thanos copter comes from spidey super stories and it was in loki you know, and yeah, I can't believe that. I mean, it, I mean, I can, but it's still like, wow. <laughs> it's in the Loki Disney Plus series, and then um, the Web Man, the like reverse Spider Man that's like blue and red instead of red and blue. They've made a Marvel Legends figure of him. 
So, <laughs> and Andrew got it for Christmas. So it's, you know, yeah. So it's, uh, it's Spidey's super stories is like just as relevant as like any other version of Spider-Man at this point. I, I, I really am waiting for some kind of tie in to, yeah. to, le- to the electric company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the electric company. I, like you. I mean, I watched Sesame Street when I was a little kid, but I graduated to electric company. And because like you said, Spider-Man, uh, you know, like that was such a cool part to have a Spider-Man segment in it. It was really amazing. It's kind of funny because Rita Moreno was part of the Electric Company, and she was mm-hmm. in West Side Story, which means like something related to Electric Company was in the last two movies I've seen in the big in the theater: Spider-Man, No Way Home, and, and West Side Story. And I, like you, I love Spidey Super Stories. I think I had some sense that it was aimed at younger t- younger readers because, like. I just sort of realized that the balloons were like so, yeah, like the word balloons were so brief, but I loved it anyway, because like you, it featured like guest stars and like, it was, it was kind of sillier than the average, than the other Spider-Man comics. And I sort of enjoyed that. So I, yeah, I used to love Spidey Superstars. I think I got every, everyone that I could get my, my hands on and said, I loved Electric Company. So I don't, again, I don't remember having this record and shock of shocks. I was going through my, my record collection because I was going to pull it out and have it with me, even though it's not like I could do anything with it, but I like to have the record while we record these. I actually don't have it. Oh, I thought I did. I was almost sure that. I, so now when we're done, I got to go to eBay and buy this thing for myself. Now I've, <laughs> I have seen it like on eBay and stuff. It is not a book and record set. Unfortunately, it is just the vinyl record uh, yeah. with a front and back cover. And it's got this great John Romita drawing on the front. Now I realize it would have been ambitious, but like, I think it would have been kind of fun if they could have done a comic book segment with that, the Spider-Man from Electric Company, like maybe in the origin or something. That, again, that probably would have been too ambitious, but they could have. That would have been really fun. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of surprised there wasn't at least some kind of, you know, that they weren't like the characters weren't on the back, especially because yeah. like the whole cast of the Electric Company, or a good chunk of them are in this. And the guy playing Spider-Man is one of the regulars on the Electric Company because, you know, again, you usually don't hear him. So Danny Seagreen's not doing the voice. He was just the guy in the costume. So, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised there's like a photo on the back of Spider-Man holding the electric company sign of, of Danny Seagreen. I'm, I'm assuming that's him in the costume. So. Maybe so. Yeah. So, uh, so, well, let's get right to it. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, instead of uh, interspersing our comments with the two stories, since these stories are so short, uh, we're going to run them back to back. And then Chris and I are going to go back on the other side and comment on both of them. So sit back, everybody, and enjoy two selections from this uh, Spider-Man record. Spider-Man is born, and Spidey, and the Sandman. Spider-Man is born. Meet Peter Parker. Peter liked the other kids, but sometimes he liked science better. Peter, rats. He doesn't even hear me. Oh, he's too busy with those plants. He won't even miss us. His Aunt May loved him dearly. Wake up, sleepyhead. It's time for school. She had raised him like a son. Have some more pancakes, Petey. Thanks, Aunt May. Your pancakes are my favorite breakfast. Peter tried to make friends. Judy, will you go to the science fair with me? You must be kidding. But he didn't have much luck. I'd rather go dancing with Flash. 
the gang just didn't like him much. Let's make tracks, Judy. Right on, Flash. See you around, Leaf Lover. Don't let any mad scientist get you. <laughs> I guess I'll go alone. But I'll show those kids someday. At the science fair, Peter felt better. A scientist was demonstrating radioactivity. Gee, I don't like being here by myself. But it's a lot of fun anyway. Everyone was too busy to see the tiny spider that got into the path of the rays. The spider was now radioactive. Peter felt it bite. Ow! Then he watched it die. Why is this spider glowing? Why is my hand burning? I feel funny. I need some air. Fast. Peter rushed out of the room. Our experiment scared the poor boy. And outside, Peter was narrowly missed by a car. I feel a strange power in my body. Nobody saw Peter's leap to safety. And what a leap it was. He went halfway up the wall. Wow! I could have been flat as Aunt May's pancakes. How did I jump so high and cling to this wall? I can crawl up buildings. It's as easy as walking. Mommy, a man is walking up that wall. No more monster movies for you. Grasping a metal pipe as he climbs onto the roof. I reached the roof in seconds. I broke that pipe. I was never that strong before. Somehow, that spider bite caused this. Peter walks across a cable that leads to the roof of the building next door. I have the powers of a spider. I can crawl just like a spider. This cable is just like a web. Peter landed safely back on the street. He discovers a car parked next to a fire hydrant. Hmm. This car doesn't belong here. Since I feel super strong, maybe I can do a super deed. Peter lifts the car and moves it back away from the hydrant. I did it! I moved that car by myself! A huge iron safe is being hauled up a building. As Peter walks under it, the rope snaps. The safe plummets down on him. He jumps out of the way just in time. Something warns me of danger. I'll call it my spider sense. Back home, Peter sat thinking for a long time. Now I know. I must use my powers to help others. My powers must be a secret. This costume will help. And now every spider needs a web. I'll put one web shooter on each arm. They work with just a touch. Peter shoots webs from both web shooters. And then he puts on the costume he made. Now I need a name. I got my spider powers from a spider, so I'll call myself Spider-Man. The kids laughed and called me a leaf lover, but look out, world. Here comes Spider-Man.
Spidey and the Sandman. It's a hot summer day at the seashore. We'll have a lot of fun at Coney Island. Sure. There's not only beach, but lots of rides and goodies. Two others get into the swim of things. Peter Parker and his Aunt May. Inside the locker room... Oops. I left my Spidey suit on under my clothes. So Peter takes off his Spidey suit and... Where shall I hide it? If I roll my suit up small, I can stuff it in my sneaker. That was pretty sneaky. Peter returns to his aunt. Aunt May, you're the peach of the beach. Let's sit near the electric company folks. I watch them every day on TV. Little do they know their friend Spider-Man is on the nearby blanket. While Peter and Aunt May doze on the warm beach, others play in the sea and sand. Meantime, Pedro is eating. My favorite lunch, peanut butter and jelly. Suddenly, his sandwich is stolen. Hey, my sandwich! What happened to my sandwich? Just seconds later, someone stole Hattie's sandal. Hey, I just lost my sandal. And then, that's one fine-looking sandcastle. Who says? A strange man rises from the sand. What? Boy, kick sand in my face. Out of my way, weakling. Wait a minute. A stolen sandwich and sandal? A sand castle that kicks sand in your face? That has to be the Sandman. So Peter acts. I'll leave a note for Aunt May. Let's see, Spidey. Gone to the boardwalk, Peter. I'll go and change back into my working clothes. He's up to his old tricks, slinking around and stealing. I can't let him get away with that sandbag of loot. It's time for... Spider-Man! Spidey traps the Sandman in a web. Drop it, Sandman. I've got you covered. What? Where did he go? He's pouring out from under my web. When I turn myself into sand, I can slip through the smallest crack. Let's see you give this the slip, Mr. Sandman. She pours a bucket of water on the Sandman. Suddenly, he reappears. Add water to sand and you can make a hard sand castle. Add water to me and I can make myself as hard as cement. I can also be a sandstorm and blow. I'm sandblind, so I'll toss my spider tracer. The tracer will stick to grains of sand and send me radio signals from the Sandman. And I can follow those signals with my spider sense. He's going that way. At the Coney Island Funhouse, the kids don't see the sliding pile of sand that is following them. The blower surprises them and... Suddenly, when it's least expected, a sand hand reaches out. Hey! There's the Sandman! He stole that sand bucket! The whole gang sweeps the Sandman toward the blower. Make a clean sweep! He's blown apart, but pulls himself together. Nice try, but it's no good. 
Spidey tries again. You'll never walk all over me. I can turn into quicksand, too. The Sandman leaves Spidey in a pool of quicksand. Must be running along. Bye. What a shifty character. He's going on the roller coaster. How will we stop the Sandman now? Water won't stop him, but saltwater taffy will. The Sandman has gotten onto the roller coaster ride, and the electric company, with the aid of Spider-Man, place a tub full of melted saltwater taffy near the ride. Now Spidey hit the brake hard. As Spidey pulls the brakes, the Sandman goes flying through the air in the direction of the tub full of taffy. Bullseye! The police nab the sticky Sandman. I must change back into Peter Parker. Aunt May will wonder what happened to me. Again, Peter hides his spidey suit and joins his aunt. Just look at you, Peter Parker. You're all sandy. Oh. All right, Chris. So uh, what did you think of these two selections from the uh, Spidey Super Stories record? Oh, I, I think they're both a lot of fun. Um, you know, the, the Spider-Man origin is surprisingly accurate to segments of Amazing Fantasy 15. <laughs> of course, they leave out a pretty important part of Spider-Man's origin, but so did the Nicholas Hammond TV movie, the original one, right? So no Uncle Ben, but, you know, Peter's just a nicer guy in these universes. He just does the right thing anyway, right? So... <laughs> They're, yeah, they. I mean, you're right. They leave all the big chunk of it. Um, it is kind of like all. We're not going to talk about the other stories because uh, we'll probably cover them at another another episode. But one of the common, th- I thought, themes through all uh, seven stories is there's seven uh, seven stories on this record, um, it, or no eight? Excuse me, eight or eight stories is they really dump on Spider Man. Like oh, yeah. every story, it isn't. It isn't just that he doesn't win; it's that he loses, and something happens where they literally, and even like the end of the Sandman one, there's literally like a wah wah. Like these really, they, for for a children's record, they really are kind of making it so you don't want to be Spider Man because he really gets a um, metaphorical sand kicked in his face in every segment. Yeah, I mean they. That was you know that was the whole. That's when the Marvel trope of the heroes with problems was still. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, it had been 15 or plus years at this point, but at the same time, that was still the, the differentiator between DC and Marvel. So they, they hammered that home here. They really, you know, really uh, dived into that. And of course, a lot of the ones that weren't adapted from uh, the episodes of Electric Company were written by Gene Thomas, who was uh, Roy Thomas's wife. And um, and and Jim Salakrup, who later became yeah. the editor of the Spider-Man titles. He was the editor when Todd McFarlane and David Michelini were doing their thing, introducing Venom and Carnage and, and Eric Larson and Mark Bagley were on the book, you know. So, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, there were Marvel staffers writing these stories. So they sprinkled that that good old Stan Lee, you know, Parker luck onto these stories. <laughs> it's This is the only record I can think of that actually used writers from the comic books right as far as i know i mean larry hama worked on spider-man uh and the 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 dragon man comic but for the most part like they didn't really they power record i mean because it was power records but power records kind of had their own staff so it was sort of funny to see gene thomas and jim salakrup names that i recognize uh here on this record now there's another 
uh, I found another listing where it says someone is listed as a John Boney, B-O-N-I, as the writer of the Spidey and the Queen Bee story. I'm not familiar with with him at all. Uh, and the other stories that I can find are un, uncredited. But but yeah, it's kind of, I thought, what a sweet gig. Like, hey, can you write a four-minute version of the Spider-Man origin? Like, that's got to be something you could do in your sleep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, especially if your husband's Roy Thomas, because mm-hmm. he, probably, he probably just pontificates about these things a lot. You know the so. stuff in your bones at that point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I love the, again, I love, you know, the, the jazzy music. The, 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 the Spider-Man. Like, that's great. I love that. Morgan Freeman, of course, a great narrator. Everyone already knows that. Um, the one, the thing I noticed, I felt like the most, the difference between them and the power records was like, I feel like they were less heavy on the sound effects just generally than mm-hmm. the power. The power records were big on that footsteps and kind of mood music and punches. Of course, an electric company's not throwing any punches, but like, they're just, these, these felt both more vocal performances with a little bit of audit with kind of, you know, audio, uh, you know, embellishments. Uh, rather than versus the power records would seem a little more, you know, all kind of all complete. Did you get that read from listening to them? Yeah. I mean, in fact, you know, like the Sandman one, I think could have maybe benefited a little bit from some sound effects because there's a lot going on in that story. And it's, it, I mean, they, they do a good job with the characters, like telling you what's going on, but you know, I mean, it is for younger listeners, but like power records would let like the, you know, the actual sound effects and stuff do the, do the work normally yeah. so um but yeah I, I i do you know i kind of wish though that that the spider-man in no way home knew about saltwater taffy because it could have <laughs> you know could have saved us some time in the lab you know in that scene so you know but uh i, I hope I, we might be spoiling things for people i'm hope we didn't i'm sorry but you know we didn't we didn't give a spoiler warning for no way home on this episode <laughs> is there any human that has not seen spider-man no way home at this point i i mean come on uh, yeah, I actually thought the Spider-Man, Spidey, Spidey and Sandman story was a lot of fun. Of the villains that they do, first of all, there's, there's eight stories. There's uh, the Purple Pirates and Evil McWeevil. <laughs> Spidey, <laughs> Spidey meets the Jester. Spidey versus Mr. Measles. Spider-Man is born. I don't know why that one isn't first. Spidey and the Queen Bee. Deadly is the Doctor called Doom. Spidey and the Mole Man and Spidey and the Sandman. Of the villains from the comics, Doom. Mole Man and Sandman. The Sandman is the closest to what he was in the comic. Yeah. The, the, the guy playing, again, we'll talk about it in another episode, but the guy playing Dr. Doom is so far from what Dr. Doom is. It's because he's like this nerdlinger yeah. in that story. So the Sandman in this one is like, you know, he's not Flint Marco. They never say his name or anything, but it, in terms of his general demeanor and power set, it's basically the Sandman you know from the comic. Yeah, he's a little more obsessed with uh, stealing things that have the word sand in them, like sandwiches and, and things like that. But yeah, the Doctor Doom, again, we'll save that, but he was, he's like a, 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 imagine a nebbish Colonel Clink, and uh, you have their version of Doctor Doom. And, and I like their mole man, mole man, who's more like Hans Moleman from uh, yeah. The Simpsons. You know, he's, <laughs> he's yeah, a droopy he's, dog or something. Yeah, I just wanted you to come to my party. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We got to do people, those next. Those are so. The, oh my god! The, the people listen to this. are like, "What are you guys talking about?" Ones you did, but it was so, I, the mole man was cracking me up on the, yeah. on the record. I listened to the whole thing, and uh, but yeah, no, Sandman was definitely more. You know, he he jived with the different versions of the Sandman that were in cartoons and things before. Um, so you know, I, I'm pretty sure Sandman was at least on the '80s cartoon. 
Uh, yeah. he, I, can't, I can't remember if he was on the 60s cartoon or not right now off the top of my head. I, he, but I think he I think was. He, yeah. I think he was too. Yeah, I think he was. But, he, you know, he's got that, you know, he's got that gruff kind of sounding voice and yeah, it, 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 it works. And he's on the, you know, and, and, and at first I'm like, Peter's going to the, the beach with, uh, with MJ and I'm not MJ, but with Aunt May. And I'm like, why is he not going with MJ? And, and then I thought, well, you know, Aunt May on the beach has probably got a, uh, you know, a bathing suit from the 1920s. And then I thought, wait a minute, Aunt May's Marissa Tomei now. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, Marissa Tomei on the beach. That's not a bad <laughs> middle image. <so. laughs> Why are all these guys hanging around? I don't understand. You know right, I mean? right. <laughs> I love the whole bit that uh, Peter forgets that he had his uniform on under his clothes. And he's right. like, I'll just tuck it in in my shoe here. <laughs> like, what is it? Is he Clark Kent? He's like, he can super compress his costume to fit in his sneaker now. I mean, you know, that's what Clark Kent does and puts his, you know, I'll put my Superman, I'll put my Clark Kent clothes in my pocket of my cape, you know. Yeah, and, yeah but Peter can, it's like, that's a thin Spider-Man suit, you know, that's. They've all that's, consulted Barry Allen for the compression of the costume into this tiny little thing. They've right, yeah, Barry's. He's got his in a ring and Spider-Man like takes his, Peter takes his shoe off and it springs out of his shoe. Springs out, Yeah. <laughs> And Aunt May is like, Aunt May reminded me, it sounded like uh, uh, Gilda Radner doing an yeah. old lady voice. It kind of had that voice. Like I sort of pictured that in my mind of, of, of Gilda being Aunt May. But yeah they're, yeah, they're they're cute and they're charming. They're, you know, they're all like four minutes. So, I mean, man, talk about compressed. And that's, you can picture all of these stories in a Spidey Super Stories comic. You can imagine yeah. this is exactly what would happen because all those those stories were like they, each comic would have like two stories, sometimes even three, or like two stories in a pinup or like a yeah. you know whatever. So you could totally picture this being a thirteen page story in a Spidey Super Stories comic. It totally tracks. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they would have like things like the. I remember I had one that had the vision and I really didn't know much about the vision before that. It was like the origin of the vision and what his powers were. He can, you know, walk through walls or become solid and all that, you know, I, they would, they would have like pages like that. I ate that stuff up as a yeah. kid, yeah. you know? So, but yeah, they, these stories could definitely have fit in there. It, it's, it, you know, I'm almost surprised they didn't have a, a guest star, you know, they didn't mm-hmm. have Captain America or the Hulk show up or something. The Thanos copter. The Thanos I mean, like they had Moon Dragon in an issue of Spidey Super Stories. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's a deep cut. You know, the Star trying, Wars one, yeah, yeah. The Star Wars one, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, they would parody movies. There's a there's a famous Jaws cover on yeah. Spidey Super Stories with the shark, you know, with the the classic poster. So I mean, they had you know they they had some fun with it. Uh, that's a really great book. I, I, now I kind of want to like go get some off of eBay and. <laughs> read them again or something where's that where's that epic collection you know where's that seriously yeah omnibus marvel masterworks yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah oh my god that'd be great so yeah it's a it's a really fun record it's a weird little side trip because i mean technically this is not a power record we're kind of stretching the boundaries of the show peter pan though it's It's peter it is peter pan uh so yeah i mean it was part of obviously they had the spider-man license so they did it but it's, it's sort of funny again that they didn't put the power record logo on it like they were they were very distinctly marketing the power records as their own thing mm-hmm. uh even though they had a spider-man record but yet it's not power like that to them that was a very clear distinction as a kid i made no distinction you know yeah. it was like peter pan and power records is the same thing no clearly to peter pan power records was very very particular because you have a spider-man record over here that is not that 
Well, you don't have the man wolf uh, in this. You know, you don't have suicidal clowns, uh, the ghost of dead suicidal clowns, and and Putting the barbarian know, and stuff. Yeah. Conan and yeah, so yeah, it's I could kind of see why they they kept that stuff separate. You know, in, so. in a way. Yeah, so. yeah. electric company until till I can tear it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. of terrible. course electric company did have their own version of dracula so which that's was right. morgan freeman so you yeah. know <laughs> that's true so uh all right well listen uh, that's that's gonna wrap it up for these two stories i said they're very very brief chris and i will cover the others uh at a later date because they're they are a lot of fun if you do want to hear the whole record you can visit uh my old power record uh blog there's a link in the show notes to the specific post for this whole record, which features uh, a audio file of all the stories and then some, some graphics of the, uh, the record itself. But uh, let's get right to the listener feedback uh, for, the, for the previous episode of the Power Records uh, podcast. So uh, we're going to go right to the comments we got from the website, which is, of course, fireandwaterpodcast.com. Uh, first up is Matt Soroyce, who says, Woke up this morning, fell down the stairs, and accidentally set myself on fire. But there's a new episode of the Power Records podcast, so it's going to be a great day. Thanks for another fun episode. I've never been a big fan of the Hulk because the TV show did indeed scare me. Wow. <laughs> he was a freaky cat like you, Chris. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people that were scared, at least of the transformation scene in the Hulk. So, absolutely. You know. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Coletta uh, chimes in. He says, I'd like to see a David Brenner Hulk. That would have... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hulk doing his, you know, tight five and then going on to the Johnny Carson show. Uh, yeah. Ryan Daly, of course, from our network says that having recently reviewed an issue of Rampaging Hulk, where the three stories were so grounded and devoid of supervillains or spectacle, I'm wondering if those in the Hulk power records were less inspired by the TV series and more audition pieces by the writers for CBS. Maybe they were hoping the series would find these adventures easily adaptable and a TV writing credit looked more prestigious than a comic book credit. Who knows? Yeah, the eye on the prize there, uh, Hulk writers. That's the you know comic book writers are always trying to get into Hollywood. So yep. you know, and and then eventually the Hollywood writers came into the comic books. So yep. yeah, it works uh, the other way now. Yeah, it does. Yeah, uh, our pal Michael Bailey from the Fortress of Bailey Two Network uh, said, "Hulk, yes." So glad this dropped today. Chris and I were in the same boat when it came to David changing on the show. I had a thing about people turning into creatures in general. But it is odd to have a show that was so important to me growing up is one that I was afraid to watch certain parts of. At least I am not alone in that shame. I've been wanting to get Amigo Hulk for a while now just to have one again. But man, those prices are crazy at the moment. You would think with as many as they made that they would still be plenty around. But people are really proud of those figures, judging by the asking prices. Hmm. Yeah, and it's hard to find a Hulk that doesn't have a broken a broken arm or leg. Those, <laughs> those. I mean, you see them mitten on card with really busted up legs and arms all the time. So I think my Hulk is a little dodgy in the in the limb department too. So yeah, good luck. Just keep an eye out for one. Just trying to make sure it's not uh, it's not busted up. And unfortunately, Migo and you know hasn't got the the uh, Marvel license, so you know no repros and. Mm. They did a few a few years ago through Diamond, but they never got around to the Hulk. So, oh man, you know, related to that, uh, I think we might have even talked about this at one point, Chris. But a couple of I don't know, a couple of months ago, I thought of those um, Crestwood books. I know that mm-hmm. your beloved Crestwood books, those books about the you know different monsters, yeah, like the '30s monsters, '40s monsters, and I had them as a kid. 
and I love them and I don't have them anymore. And I was like, boy, that'd be kind of fun to do a show about the Crestwood books because they were really formative, you know, in my love of monsters at a young age. And I'm like, geez, I wonder if you can get them for cheap on eBay. No, no, no. you can't. No. <laughs> I could not find any Crestwood book for under 50 bucks. And yeah. I was like, oh, so obviously my nostalgia for them uh, came much too late uh, <laughs> before the prices zoomed up. I, like I remember about 20 years ago and I was starting off my treasury comic website and I started hoovering up treasuries off of eBay because I needed to fill holes in my collection. And I obviously got there ahead of the curve because I was able to pick up some really choice treasuries for like six, seven, ten dollars and now you can't. They're like, welcome back, Cotter goes for 50. So yeah. it was like, I was ahead of the curve. But for Crestwood, I'm way behind the curve because obviously everybody loves them now and you can't get any of them for less than half a C note. So there goes that idea. Yeah, I was lucky that Cindy brought home the Crestwood books from the library that she worked at. They were discarding them. Oh. And they had been there since the 70s. Oh. And she brought them home. Of course, they weren't in the best of shape, but they're still, you know, still readable. And, and and they're a whole lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and I was the same way with the with Migos that you were with Treasury. I didn't get in at the greatest moment, but it was still before the prices went completely nuts, you know, for the loose stuff. And I, I wish I'd done that with um, some of the superpowers figures. I still don't oh, have. Like, man, yeah. oh. like Cyborg. I <laughs> God, if I hadn't bought all them stupid 90s, new 90s action figures that aren't worth <laughs> a dime that I could have saved it up and bought a cyborg for a hundred bucks back then. I can't touch one for like 500 loose now, you know, so God. What was that toy line that you really loved? That was like completely just flopped. What's that one? There was one that you always talk about that you bought. That it was like some black star or something. Oh yeah. I bought, I bought a black star instead of <laughs> another me, amigo Spider-Man. It was like a in cap full of them, like close out 1986. Right. <laughs> And I, I did. I, I've got a Spider-Man at home. I, I could have bought that whole end cap, and you know, and and yeah. And I know you ran into the Fantastic Four in a similar I did. fashion. I did. So. Oh man, it's just our childhoods are so expensive now. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, <laughs> the next comment comes from Mike Bridges, and he says, "Yes, finally, this is actually my favorite Power slash Peter Pan record. I was about seven or eight when this came out. I listened to it all the time as I was a huge fan of the show, and this fit like four lost episodes." Still in the process of listening to the whole podcast, but I wanted to go ahead and comment. I finally found this record again on eBay for about $4, wow. and it was still sealed. Brand new old stock. I ripped a copy to CD to play in my truck, and I was taken back in time. I agree with you about Sal Musama's Hulk. That's the version I think of when I think of the Hulk. As for these stories, I always enjoyed the Assassin best. Thank you, Mike. And yeah, uh, Power Records, we were just talking, you know, just talking about the Power Records, you can get some of them still pretty cheap. I feel like those prices haven't gone up super far. Maybe because you can find them all on YouTube and stuff. So like the only people buying them are just, you know, old farts like us that just want to have the vintage record or something. But yeah, you can still find like, he, like Mike just talked about, a, you know, a sealed Hulk record for $4. That's a deal. Yeah. I, I just hope that the new, you know, love for vinyl doesn't eventually <laughs> catch up and the prices go up, you know. On, on Get out of here, you hipsters. Get out of here. Get out. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. And, and, and Mike, even though you're listening to it in the truck don't pick up hitchhikers it's probably not david banner don't don't pick them don't pick them up okay so uh you know Bosnar, our buddy said uh, yep count me as another who thinks that salbushima's version is the definitive visual depiction of hulk 
As for the two episodes you highlighted, they're episodes. <laughs> You're right <laughs> that they have very simple plots and not a whole lot really happens. And yeah, the whole vocalization sounds more comical rather than imposing or scary. I tend to agree with Ryan that maybe whoever scripted these was perhaps hoping to get their plot picked up by the TV studio with the request that they expand the stories for the show. Yeah, I mean, it could just be like a, a thumbnail pitch, you know, mm-hmm. for an episode. So, yeah. There seems to be a consensus that that's what happened and nobody will ever know, but that seems to be a, a common theory among the, the, the commentary here. Uh, Brian Linton says any story that includes the establishment of the exclusive economic zone EEZ designed to keep foreign fishing fleets out of us waters as a plot point is tops in this fishery biologist book. Fun <laughs> fact. Did you know that in addition to the EEZ's 200 nautical mile outer boundary, the zone has an inner boundary of three nautical miles nine nautical miles for Texas, Western Florida, and Puerto Rico, which separates the federally managed EEZ from state-managed waters. Pretty cool, I know. (laughs) After listening to you, I read that whole thing. After listening to you talk about the old Matchbox Incredible Hulk van, I now imagine that at the end of every Incredible Hulk TV episode, after the screen faded on Banner slowly walking down the road, he would sprint around the corner, hop into his tricked-out van, and drive to the outskirts of the next town where he'd hide the van again. Thanks for another amazing episode. Every Marvel hero had to have a van back then, but nobody's Absolutely. was better than Red Brown's. No, you know? yeah, that, yeah, he his shot a freaking motorcycle at the back that had a hang glider on it. That's pretty bad, <laughs> pretty badass, pretty bad. It was. Uh, Mike Thomas says, "I like the idea of covering TV episodes from the 1970s, especially the Six Million Dollar Man episode where Steve Austin fights Bigfoot in the woods. I saw that episode in kindergarten, and it left me and it left an impression on me." Every time I went into a pine tree woods as a child, I thought of that episode and Bigfoot being there. <laughs> as long as you didn't throw yourself into the trees making bionic sounds, you know. I've seen it in recent years, and it's still a cool scene. I like the reverse bionic sound effects and the slow motion. Anyway, I would love to see you guys cover that either on Power Records or somewhere on the network. Well, I don't think that really fits on Power Records, but I'd be down for, you know, talking about Six Million Dollar Man because – I, I occasionally will just pick up an episode and watch it, you know, that's streaming different places. And I did actually watch the Bigfoot, the first Bigfoot episode a few months back, and it is a whole lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I had the Bigfoot doll. I had the, 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 the you know, action figure like doll. Yeah, okay. I did. And he popped a little thing on his chest and there's like all the circuitry under there. It was great, great toy. Uh, <laughs> Dr. I Steve Austin, but not Bigfoot. So yeah, see, I didn't have Steve Austin. It doesn't make oh, any sense. Oh, really? No, I didn't. I must, I don't know what I did with Bigfoot. I guess he must've just played with my 12 inch Star Wars figures or something. I don't know. Uh, so probably was like a, you know, like a, I had Chewbacca too. Maybe they teamed up. I don't know. He was lumpy. Yeah, yeah, they, or, yeah exactly. Yeah. When I, we don't, when of course, when I recreated the, the action of the holiday special, uh, <laughs> Dr. Ann says, uh, don't make me bored, Mr. Kelly. You wouldn't like me when I'm bored. Seriously, this should have been labeled The Adventures of David Banner with special cameo by the Hulk. I, <laughs> I don't know. The Hulk versus a jilted boyfriend and a guy bilking a coal mine seems like a low bar. Hashtag sag, sad walking theme music. <laughs> well, make, actually, I mean, like we said, these plots are straight out of the TV show. So, yep. I mean, that's the kind of, that's what they, that's what they did, you know, mm-hmm. but just be glad the Hulk wasn't red. Okay. Cause they wanted to make him red. Uh, Lindsay L. Warner says, I got into the Hulk TV show in college. Thanks to Netflix. I really like writing while listening to shows with a similar theme. I was on a superhero kick while I enjoyed the show. I am forced to agree with you about the quality of these records. Tonally they're in line with the show and aren't bad, but they are a little dull. 
They either need a plot twist, any plot twist, or an interesting character or two. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing they were missing. I mean, they always had some kind of, you know, guest actor on the Hulk that had a that had an interesting storyline that David could get mixed up in. So yeah. we were kind of missing that in these. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve Given says, a few years ago, I binged the whole Hulk TV show and was surprised at how well it stood up as an anthology of sorts with a rotating cast and stories. And it is clear uh, that these power record stories were definitely influenced by the TV show. However, what works for a TV show isn't going to necessarily to work for a comic book story, particularly one meant for children. Too bad the PR people didn't pull more from the comics. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we talked about the other Hulk stories. The other Hulk, the other big Hulk story features the rhino and the abomination and is yeah. taken right from the comic. So, yeah, it is sort of curious that the, the, they're so kind of different considering the other one leans into the comic super hard and then these don't at all. Stephen Zanine says, hear the bland narration. Thrilled to David. Uh, Banner continually accepting jobs, which he has no experience or qualifications. Quake from the Hulk's whiny growl. That sounds like his reaction to his mom telling him to get out of bed already. <laughs> uh, man, everybody's really dumping on this record. Uh, uh, Rob McCarthy uh, ignores everything that happened in the episode and simply says, more Kojak. Uh, to which Captain Entropy responded, what Rob said, baby. So, yeah, all right. We we, we will do more Kojak at some point, we promise. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, Ward Hill Terry, who writes a hell of a theme song, uh, wrote yes, yes. In, uh, to say, I was not a Hulk reader, but I had read Hulk stories and read stories where he was a guest or a teammate or non-teammate, if you want to be precise. Consequently, I did not care for the TV show at all. As far as I could tell, and still can, it had nothing to do with the character in Marvel Comics. I want a Hulk that speaks. Give me a bah, or give me a puny human. Give me a Hulk smash, for Forbes' sake. So, <laughs> enough crowd on the Hulk TV show. I thought really, man. It. Jeez. I thought everybody loved the Hulk TV show, so <laughs> I guess not. Uh, Al Gerding wrote in to say, great episode as always. Need help from a music expert. What instrument makes the first sound you hear on the Power Records that Durr sound. Hell, I don't even know what it is. I can't spell it. <laughs> I don't know what is it. He's talking about the thing that, that the intro thing that you play. Yeah, like with the, the yeah. I don't know yeah, what that. I is. don't even know. I have no idea. I I am despite the fact that I have produced almost two hundred episodes of a music centric podcast. I know nothing about how music is made. So uh, yeah, someone else uh, will have to uh, answer that, Al, here in the in the comments because I have absolutely no idea. I'm the black sheep of the family that doesn't play any kind of musical instrument or, you know, like my dad and all his brothers and nephews and stuff did. And I, I don't, so yeah, I don't either. So yeah. 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 Some, some, somebody clue us in uh, on the, on the comments. Ward Hill then, Terry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ward Hill Terry. He should know. Jeez. Uh, he knows this stuff. Uh, and then finally we've got a comment from the irredeemable shag who surprisingly listens to a show that I do without him. And he says, another great episode. I found these old stories, very charming, lovely pickup from the TV show, but from the feedback. Yes, yes, yes. Please, 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 more $6 million, man. I've been begging for years, and now I feel like we're on a precipice. Fingers crossed. People just want to hear my Lee Majors impersonation. We, well, we all do. It's marvelous. <laughs> Absolutely marvelous. You know what? Maybe we should – I think I said this before. We should do a t 70s TV episode and, like, one Kojak and one $6 million man. Let's them that. together. That We should do that. So, yeah, yeah. we'll do that. At some point. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be – that'd be great. So. All right, we got one last thing. Uh, this is an amazing find from Brian Heiler. Chris, why don't you tell everybody what it is? Yes, Brian sent us this uh, this uh, little clip that he found. It says, Peter Pan, Peter Pan announces new series, Newark, 
Martin Kazin, president of Peter Pan Records, announces that a new series of seven-inch books and records will be produced by the company on its power label and will be titled Super Records. It will feature a regular book, 10 inches high and seven inches wide, but in a comic book format and a seven-inch 45 RPM record additionally dramatizing the adventure. The company has signed an exclusive contract with Marvel Comics for all of their superheroes. Popular comic book favorites such as the Hulk, Spider-Man, Captain America, and the Avengers will be featured. Uh, th- that's <sighs> no Avengers, unfortunately, but <laughs> that's I, did where, where did Brian find us? Do we know exactly? I think where he, he mentioned it. He said he found it in an old magazine. Uh, yeah, from the time. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the, it's interesting that it was going to be called Super Records at some point. Maybe the whole Superman thing was like, well, maybe not that. But man, they were going to do the Avengers. Yeah. Ah, would have been amazing because like. None of the power records ever feature outside of the Fantastic Four. They didn't cross over, you know, like right. they didn't have. So, the, oh, that would have been, oh, that would have been so cool. Like, what yeah. Avengers comic would they have done? Oh, it would have been. I just would have loved to have heard like what their take on like the Vision would have been or something. Oh, it would have been oh so yeah, cool. they maybe were they were like we don't have it. We've only got three actors, so we can't like. <laughs> There's too many teammates in the Avengers. Can't that, we can't overtax yeah. these people? Yeah, right. Maybe that's what it is. Like, I you know we got to we got to pay them overtime if we they play more than one than two characters. So you know, something like, like I, that. Oh. Yeah, that that's a shame. Yeah, because I mean the the Captain America at least the Captain America one's got the Falcon. You know, yep. but it's you get more Avengers than that. But that's that's it. So yeah. yeah. Oh, it would have been so cool. Uh, you know, I, it's well. First of all, thank you, Brian, friend of the yes. show, friend of the network, for finding that and sending it to us. But man. You know, that stuff is still kind of weirdly out there. Like, I, I've seen pictures of, like, the Power Records displays, you know, that, like, and I'm like, they, I, I don't look for them on eBay because I kind of don't want to find them because I know if I find one on eBay, I'll want to buy it. And it's probably going to be, like, $500. So I don't want to tempt myself. But, man, just the thought that, like, there's all these little weird things you can still find out there is just kind of, kind of amazing. So that's what I, again, thank you, Brian. That was a great find. Yes, definitely. Thank you. So uh, I guess that is going to do it for this episode of the Power Records Podcast. All right, everybody, I promise Chris and I will do more Kojak and more Six Million Dollar Man at some point. We Fox Populi, everybody's demanding it, and so we will we will do that. We certainly won't do more stories from this Hulk record that everyone really seems to not enjoy at all. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can find all the back episodes of the Power Records Podcast on our website, brianwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is if you name checked in the show of your choice. So big thanks to David Branning, R.W. Lovejoy, David S. Gutierrez, and Gore Tolton for their support of the network. Thank you so much. That's going to do it. Uh, we will see you soon. Uh, but until, uh, until the next episode, drop the needle. Turn the page. Come, Robin. Into the Batmobile and home. Uh-huh.